Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And this show has been on a little bit of a, a hiatus this year. And that's only because everything has been so crazy in my life. My, sp- my schedule has been completely bananas with teaching, tutoring, running the company, running the business, trying to keep everything afloat. And I'm so excited because now we are having a very regular schedule. We're having podcasts coming out every week, which I'm super excited about. We've got an amazing lineup of topics and guests that are going to be coming on. If you listened last week, you heard Number Bender, a pretty prolific YouTuber, uh, education YouTuber. So that's awesome. And if you're watching right now on Instagram, I'm streaming the creation of this podcast live. The podcast itself won't go out today. But for all my Instagram followers and fans, you get a little inside look into what it's like, what my whole setup looks like when I'm recording uh, these, these podcast episodes. So today, I'm going to start by talking about something that just happened to me as the summer began. And it's a little bit personal, but I think it's super important to give this backstory before we lead into what we're talking about today. As the school year ended this year, I went through a pretty strange phase that I wasn't anticipating. So what happened was school ended, and I remember a day, maybe a day or a day, two days after school ended, I sat down and made this huge list for everything I wanted to do this summer because I, I wanted to be a very, very productive summer, and I was super excited that I had all this time now to put towards the business and all these different media production, content production goals that I had. But when school ended, I felt, I felt really, it's almost like I felt empty. I was used to being around students all the time, being at my school, surrounded by awesome students, uh, great teachers, a lot of people that I really care about. And all of a sudden it went from all of this buzzing activity to just boom, just me. And I didn't feel like doing anything. So it was a really strange time because the entire two years leading up to that point, I just never wanted to stop. And I literally did not want to do anything. I was very tired. I wanted to sleep. Really was the only thing I wanted to do. And perhaps I was a bit sleep deprived. But there was all this stuff and 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 I couldn't figure out what exactly was going on. So I finally decided on the advice of some friends. I said, you know what? I'm just going to take a trip, which I hadn't planned on doing this summer. And it was a very short trip. And I drove down to Palm Springs, which is about a two-hour drive. And it was there that what I what I decided to do, I didn't want to go with any friends. I didn't want to go with anybody. I just wanted to try and re- relax, reflect, and do some reading. The book that I brought with me is Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. It's a book that I'd actually been meaning to read, but I kept putting it aside so I finally brought it with me and I just barreled through it for about a day and a half. 
And it was so much fun. It was so relaxing, but it was also just the perfect timing where I felt like I was in a rut. I felt like something needed to shift emotionally, mentally, as I had just gone from this fairly large transition from a very busy school year to now everything being self-propelled and more autonomous. And the book is incredible. Now, today, what I did was while I was reading the book, I took notes and I sort of bookmarked all these great phrases from all these amazing people that are in the book and that are interviewed. And I wanted to share those today. Why did I do that? Because at the end of the day, this show, as much as it's about education and providing both children and parents with useful nuggets of wisdom about anything and all things related to education, a lot of education ends up being self-development, self-improvement. And I think there is so much value in this book being given from very highly esteemed members of our society that I felt like it was so worthwhile to share this. And I'm doing it in a way where I'm picking things in particular that resonated with me. There may be a host of things that resonated with other folks, but I'm specifically focusing on the section of the book, which is under the wealth category. So there's a there's a fitness category, there's a wealth category, and there's a wise or sort of subsections. And I focused on the wealth section because I felt like that had a lot of business-related advice, which I think is most pertinent to what I'm trying to do, but also with respect to education and essentially goals of being successful. So what I've done is I opted not to make a sheet of sorts or, or go through it that way. I've literally got the book in my hand, and what I've done is I've marked each section each individual, and I'm going to quickly, when, whenever I go to a person's section, because that's how the book is broken up, it's broken up into sections based on who's talking or who's being interviewed and what advice they're providing. So I'm going to give a quick recap of whoever's chapter I'm in, and then I'll find the particular quote that resonated with me, and I'll talk a little bit about that. All right, so here we go. So I'm opening it up, and what I've done to bookmark the entire book to make it easier is I've literally used my, uh, I have a ton of business cards that I barely ever use, which is really funny, but I've used my own business cards to bookmark it, and I'm going to go through it that way. So here we go. Start it off. First, we're going to start with Mark Andreessen. Okay, so Mark Andreessen is a legendary figure in Silicon Valley, and his creations have changed the world. Even in the epicenter of tech, it's hard to find a more fascinating icon. He co-created the highly influential Mosaic browser, the first widely used graphical web browser. He also co-founded Netscape, which later sold to AOL for $4.2 billion. Okay, and then there's a number of other things that he's done. So let me flip to what I've highlighted here. So the section that I highlighted is this. This is in response to... Tim Ferriss asking him, well, what advice would you give to your younger self? If you go back in time, essentially, what would is there something that you would change? And I love this. And this is something that I try and I, li- I try and live my life in the exact same way without that looking backwards uh, desire. He says, forward like, or he says, we don't stop. We don't slow down. We don't revisit past de- decisions. We don't second guess. So honestly, that question, I have no idea how to answer. And that was the the question again of, hey, what would you do if you could go back and change something? And I like that because it's essentially that idea of rumination. I think it's good to reflect, of course, and reflection with the intent of modifying future behavior, perhaps, or lessons learned. What can you extract from a particular experience? But as opposed to regretful rumination 
or contemplation in a painful way, there's no productivity in that. And I like that a lot because it, again, just hits home the idea of staying positive. Okay, now we're going to go on to Derek Seavers. So Derek Seavers is, I'm going to read his summary, is one of my favorite humans, and I often call him for advice, is what Tim Ferriss is saying. Think of him as a philosopher king programmer, master teacher, Mary Prankster. Originally a professional musician and circus clown, Derek created CD Baby in 1998. It became the largest seller of independent music online with $100 million in sales for 150,000 musicians. Okay, so here we go. Now this, and this I've heard multiple times, multiple people say this in this book, which is so cool. So here we go. It's not what you know, it's what you do consistently. This has resonated with me for a number of reasons. One, I mean, I think inherently anybody can recognize that it's true. The, the real key at the end of the day is what are you going to get up day in and day out and consistently do? That's going to translate to a successful, a successful business. It's going to translate to a following, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, so on and so forth. It's all about consistency. And the other reason why this was particularly powerful for me is I had just gotten the same advice from the accelerator that I recently been a part of, which is called Expert Dojo in Santa Monica. And it was all about what, you know, what did, what did he say to me? He said something along the lines of you got to do whatever you're doing, you got to do it consistently. And I think at the end of the day, that's probably one of the most difficult things to do. But once you get into a habit, you can build something up, which is exactly what we're doing going forward with the podcast is to make it consistent. Maybe we won't do an episode every day like I did last summer, which might have been a bit crazy, but that's not sustainable. It's, again, all about consistency. And whether you're an adult trying to build a business or a student, make goals that are consistent that you can achieve every day. And that'll just constantly boost you up too. be like, okay, well, I'm tackling this and I'm making it a habit and feel better and stronger and more empowered. All right, let's move on to the next section. We're going to jump ahead past this. And we go to Nicholas McCarthy. Nicholas was born in 1989 without his right hand and started to play the piano at the age of 14. He was told he would never succeed as a concert pianist. The doubters were wrong. His graduation from the prestigious Royal College of Music in London in 2012 appeared in press around the world as he became the only one-handed pianist to graduate from the Royal College of Music in its 130-year career. Okay, so a very, very interesting guy. And it's cool because he does have interviews from musicians, from athletes, and so on and so forth in this section. So here's the quote. And and, and this is actually Tim Ferriss saying this, but I thought it was particularly interesting. Oh, wait, no, this isn't the one I wanted. Okay, he has a... He has a section in here that I did highlight, but it's it's more for uh, what I found particularly interesting is something that I wanted to try. I may as well read it now that I've gone to the section. He said, I started using geranium oil shortly after our podcast when working on early brainstorming and drafting for the book. Lacking a diffuser, I started by dabbing it on my wrist. So this is something that I believe uh, Tim Ferriss learned from Nicholas McCarthy as using this supplement to enhance brain activity and so on and so forth. That's why I flagged it. I thought it was interesting. I'm no doctor. I have no idea if this actually works, but I wanted to look into it and research it. So without further ado, let's move on to Tony Robbins. So I assume most of you guys have heard of Tony Robbins. 
He is sometimes described as a self-help guru. So let me read this little summary here. He is the world's most famous most famous performance coach. He's advised everyone from Bill Clinton and Serena Williams to Leonardo DiCaprio and Oprah. Uh, he has consulted or advised international leaders, including Nelson Mandela, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, Margaret Thatcher, Francois Mitterrand, and Princess Diana. Uh, he has also developed and produced five award-winning television infomercials that have continuously aired every 30 minutes, 24 hours a day, somewhere in North America since 1989. So here we go. Here is the quote, the little tidbit that I extracted from this section. Mastery doesn't come from an infographic. What you know doesn't mean blank. What do you do consistently? Again, we have that same theme reiterated once again, which I love, which I think is so powerful. What do you do consistently? I have to think about this a lot of times because the type of person that I am, which is a bit impulsive, and I just want to get things going and I want to bang out as many things as I can many times, I, I go very, very intense when I'm trying to achieve something that sometimes can frustrate the objective of trying to be consistent because I start out with such high ambitions. It's kind of like if you decide that you want to become a marathon runner and you start your practices out every day by running 20 miles a day when you haven't trained yet, uh, it's just something that's not realistic. And in that example, perhaps, because physically you wouldn't be able to sustain that. You'd be so sore the next day that you just you wouldn't be able to do anything for a while. You might even injure yourself. So the idea is you want to have that in mind always, consistency. And I, and I love that it, it continuously is repeated in this book by separate sources, separate successful and proven sources. Next, we go to Casey Nistat. Okay. So Casey is a New York-based filmmaker and YouTuber. He ran away from home at 15 and had his first child at 17. He went on welfare to get free milk and diapers and never asked his parents for money again. His online films have been viewed nearly 300 million times in the last five years. He is the writer, director, editor, and star of the series The Neistat Brothers on HBO and won the John Cassavetes Award at the 2011 Independent Spirit Awards for the film Daddy Long Legs. Okay. So here is what I highlighted for Casey. It says, he said, Casey walks the walk. He, he wakes up at 4.30 a.m. seven days a week, and he immediately finishes his vlog edits from the night before. So he continuously has a new vlog every day, seven days a week, which is amazing. The edit usually gets done between 6.30 and 7. 7 to 7.45 is for processing, uploading, and designing the, uh, the video. And then the video goes live at exactly 8 a.m. Now, what I like about that is it literally from the previous sections, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a schedule, a routine, and consistency. So it's beautiful. Again, in a third modified manner, we're hearing the same theme reiterated. So again, whether this relates to you on a business level, whether this relates to you as a student, what you see is when people do things that work, they tend to form some sort of a ritual or a habit that they're able to maintain consistently. And if you do endeavor to do something massive, like run a marathon, like run 10, 15 miles a day, the other message that seems to come up over and over is start small. Start with something that is sustainable and doable and then slowly augment it until you get to where you eventually want to be so you don't get discouraged and you can actually do what you set out to do. All right. 
Let's move on to Peter Thiel. So if you are a follower of Silicon Valley and the investment world, you probably recognize this name. Peter is a serial company founder, including PayPal and Palantir, billionaire investor, and author of the book Zero to One. His teachings on differentiation, value creation, and competition alone have helped me, meaning Tim Ferriss, make some of the best investment decisions of my life. So let's see here. We've got a couple of things that I highlighted. So first, if you're planning to do something with your life, if you have a 10-year plan of how to get there, you should ask, why can't you do this in six months? So I thought this was really cool. And he goes on to say, sometimes you have to actually go through the complex 10-year trajectory, but it's at least worth asking whether that's the story you're telling yourself or whether that's the reality. What do I take from that? I take from that that he's essentially pushing people or trying to push people to say, well, wait a minute, maybe a minute you could say the same thing about somebody who might be stalling on waiting to make a big career jump in their life or waiting to start a business for a long time. Well, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to set it. I'm going to save money for three years and then I'm going to set this piece up and then begin. And I think the idea is maybe you have to do that in certain cases, but he's asking the question or, or encouraging people to ask the question. And maybe you might be pleasantly surprised to say, well, wait a minute, I can actually do this right now or I can do this much sooner. And let's move on to Seth Godin. Seth Godin is an amazing man. I got to hear him speak at Udemy Live last year. So let me tell you who Seth Godin is if you don't know. Seth Godin is the author of 18 best-selling books that have been translated into more than 35 languages. He writes about the way ideas spread, marketing, strategic quitting, leadership, and challenging the status quo in all areas. His books include Lynchpin, Tribes, The Dip, Purple Cow, and What to Do When It's Your Turn. Okay, so let's go to his quote. So here we go. People who have trouble coming up with good ideas, if they're telling you the truth, will tell you, will tell you they don't have very many bad ideas. But people who have plenty of good ideas, if they're telling you the truth, will say they have even more bad ideas. So the goal isn't to get good ideas. The goal is to get bad ideas. Because once you get enough bad ideas, then some good ones have to show up. I love this. And I think, again, the under the overarching idea is, is to me, it goes back to consistency and productivity. If you're doing a lot of things and you're just keeping yourself busy, staying active, even if a lot of what you produce and a lot of what comes out may not be that great, that's the way that you're bound to find those nuggets of greatness and those nuggets of, of true value. So again, see, I love that. A lot of things reinforce each other. There are certain things in this book or in life you will find that are going to naturally contradict one another. And I think that ends up happening, of course, because we can have varying circumstances or contexts where a certain piece of advice might work, and in some cases it doesn't. And also, in some cases, it's self-selecting. It's kind of like, let's say you do 99% of the things that everybody's always told you to do, and but there's one little thing that everybody told you to do, and you hated doing it, and you didn't do it, and then you became very successful. Odds are that you're going to want to talk about that 1% thing that you didn't do that everybody told you to do and you didn't do it and you still became successful. And you're going to want to say that that's why you became very successful because in a way it sort of proves everybody wrong and you right. It's a, <laughs> it's something that can make you feel pretty good, 
But I don't know if that type of mentality, I think a lot of times it can skew your own reasoning or your own justification for why things have worked out a particular way. It's just something that I've noticed is something to be mindful of when you're hearing these ultra successful people tell, give, give advice. I think a lot of times it's amazing advice when they tell their stories, but I think it is also important to note that sometimes it's hard to self analyze and to self diagnose. What exactly was it that worked? What was the linchpin? All right, let's move on. Next, we have a very famous individual, Ramit Sethi. And his name was actually Amit originally, but they changed it to Ramit. There's a whole story in here as to why, which is hilarious, but I'm not going to dive into that. Okay, so if you don't know who Ramit Sethi was, Ramit Sethi graduated from Stanford in 2005 with a bachelor's and master's degree in technology, psychology, and sociology. He grew his personal finance blog to more than 1 million readers per month, then turned this this blog, uh, sorry, then turned this college side project into a multi-million dollar business with more than 30 employees. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> well, one of these quotes I highlighted is just for my own uh, entertainment. Uh, I'll come back to that. So first he says, I cannot recommend guest posting enough. I did one for you, uh, talking about Tim Ferriss, that probably took me 20 to 25 hours to write. It was very detailed. It included video, all kinds of stuff. And to this day, a lot of people I meet ask, how did you hear about me? And they say, oh, through Tim Ferriss. Okay, the reason why I highlighted that is that has a lot of relevance to me, but in a more general sense, not just about blogging. It's about the notion of collaboration, and working with others. Again, whether it's from an entrepreneurial standpoint or a student standpoint, collaboration when done correctly, uh, and, and not always, it doesn't have to be your primary objective, but going and trying to work with other people, seeing how they learn, seeing how they work, trying to glean things from them and, sh- and them and sharing things with them as well can be a very productive endeavor. In this particular case, of course, when it comes to creating content, man, I mean, collaboration or guest posting or however you want to put it, I think can have have huge, huge dividends that continue to pay. Next, we come to Tracy D'Annunzio. So Tracy D'Annunzio is a killer. She's the founder and CEO of Tradesy, which has taken off like a rocket. She has raised $75 million from investors, including Richard Branson, uh, Kleiner Perkins, and yours truly, meaning Tim Ferriss, and board members include the legendary John Doerr, Tradesy is on a mission to make the resale value of anything you own available on demand. Their tagline is cash in, cash in on your closet. Okay. So here is what I highlighted. Okay. When you complain, nobody wants to help you. If you spend your time focusing on the things that are wrong and that's what you express and project to people you know, you don't become a source of growth for people. You become a source of destruction for people. Man, so this resonated with me as well, a big time, because I know people that are perpetual complainers, and it's very distracting, and it ends up becoming, I mean, even some of my very good friends, I've had to talk to them about this, it's something that when you're, when you're in a constant negative state, it, it does bring other people down, and eventually what you will find is that it will push people away, people won't want to be around that energy, and you can't blame them, so the idea is... Try not to be a try, try not to suck in all the negativity and then project it out. Instead, try to find the positives. Look for the great things, which I'm sure every single one of you out there listening has many great things to be thankful for. And try to project that out instead. 
The other point is if you are looking for help and you're looking for guidance, people are going to be way more inclined to help you, whether it's with homework or whether it's with a business objective, when you are projecting positivity and being a happy, pleasant individual. Next, let's go to Chris Young. Chris Young is an obsessive tinkerer, inventor, and innovator. His areas of expertise range from extreme aviation to mathematics and apocalyptic skill barbecues. Above all, he is one of the clearest thinkers I know. So here it says, he's talking about a job that he did that was interesting. I distinctly remember him saying not to worry about what I was going to do. He's talking about, I think, advice uh, from his father. He said not to worry about what I was going to do because the job I was going to do hadn't even been invented yet. The interesting jobs are the ones you make up. So that's something that I certainly hope to instill in my son. Don't worry about what your job is going to be. Do things that you're interested in life. And if you do them really well, you're going to find a way to temper them with some good business opportunity. I think that quote mostly speaks for itself. It is, of course, really, even though I hadn't read it before I read this chunk of the book, but this is essentially my philosophy is I try to do things that I have a natural inclination for and things that make me feel good and feel excited. And I do hope that many people take this advice and follow it. And many people certainly won't because it's not always easy. But I think this is something great to keep in mind, especially as a student. I mean, you hear it all the time, but I think it's mostly, it's a lot of times said without real backing behind it. You should do things that you like, follow what you love, but on the side, just go and pursue this nice, safe path. I think that's great to actually hear it from ultra-successful people and heed those words of advice. Let's move on to Neil Strauss. So Neil Strauss is has written New York Time, eight New York Times bestsellers, including The Game and The Truth. He's also been an editor at Rolling Stone and is a staff writer for The New York Times. Okay, so Neil Strauss. Let's go. Here we go. So he has, it's a very short line, and I love it, and I think it relates to writing, but also just content creation. It says, draft ugly and edit pretty. Man, it is so difficult, especially when you're a perfectionist, to write because you can often be confounded by your desire to put the, for the first few lines or whatever you put down to be beautiful. It even happens to me when I'm writing a song and recording. I want, the, I want it to be beautiful right out the gate. And if you commit to the idea that if you allow yourself to recognize that what you initially put down is not going to be good, in fact, it's probably going to be terrible, but that the revision and the editing process will clean it up and make it beautiful, then that frees you up completely and it can allow your creativity to blossom and bloom and also your production levels to go up drastically. I thought that was so cool. I've heard him say this on an interview before uh, a few years ago. Amazing advice. Next, Justin Beretta. He's the founding member of The Glitch Mob. Their last album, Love, Death, Immortality, debuted on Billboard charts as the number one electronic album, number one indie label, and number four overall digital album. Okay, so that is The Glitch Mob. And here is the quote. Inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. And the belief that things will grow out of the activity itself and that you will, through work, bump into other possibilities and kick open 
doors that would never you would never have dreamt of if you were just sitting around looking for a great art idea. Doing, acting, taking charge, and actually creating something. And again, creating something, creating a lot of things, right? It ties back into that idea. Having lots of bad ideas so you can find that nugget. And what is? how do you create lots of things? How do you build lots of stuff? Once again, we come back to the same theme of consistency. Just a different way to say it. All right, next we go on to Scott Belsky. So he is a venture partner at Benchmark, a venture capital firm based in San Francisco. Scott co-founded Behance in 2006 and served as CEO until Adobe acquired Behance in 2012. He is an early investor and advisor in Pinterest, Uber, Periscope, among many other fast-growing startups. So here we go. Sometimes you need to stop doing things you love in order to nurture the one thing that matters most. I chose this quote because I wonder if this advice, maybe now or one day, I don't know, will apply to me. My mantra, essentially, is I try to pretty much focus my life around things that I truly intrinsically enjoy and that I love. And that may not always be the right play. So look at me right now. I am not a Peter Thiel. I'm not, I'm nobody. I am simply a person who is very passionate about education. I truly enjoy what I do, but can I say that I am anywhere even remotely close to the people that I'm reading about now? No, I don't have all the answers. I have a belief that following my bliss and doing things that make me happy will lead me to exactly where I want to go from a, from a business standpoint, but I don't know for sure. And this is something that I do need to think about, especially as I'm getting more business mentors and more advice. I'm sure that, and, and I'm, I'm sure that eventually there'll be certain projects or things that I'm taking on that I love to death that I will probably will have to set aside to make room for more time devoted to the truly lucrative pieces of whatever I'm doing. And I think that I think that that's a, a hard pill to swallow, but it is one that I may have to swallow and everybody else. No matter what, what, no matter what point in life you're at, again, whether you're in school or whether you are beyond that, there are things that you'll eventually have to put aside to a certain degree, to a certain degree, to make room for things that are more important. More and 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 again, that's individual priorities that can have that can take on so many shapes and forms. But I think it's something worthwhile to recognize early before you have to come to that decision point. Say, hey, that may ha- come in. I'm going to be ready for it if and when I have to make that decision. Next, we go to Sophia Amoruso, and she is the founder of Nasty Gal, a global online destination for both new and vintage clothing, shoes, accessories. Founded in 2006, Nasty Gal was named fastest growing retailer in 2012, thanks to its 10,000% three-year growth rate, which is insane. Okay, Uh, I love this quote. Very simple, straight to the point. A day that ends well from Sophia, she says, a day that ends well is one that started with exercise. That's for sure. I love that. There, a lot of people talk about their morning routines. What do they do to get them amped up? BJ Novak later on in this book talks about how he spends a lot of time just getting himself in a good mood and how that's super important to him. 
Having a routine that involves exercise in the morning is essentially a surefire way to blast up your serotonin levels and your dopamine levels. So you're just instantly making yourself feel good and ready to come back and tackle the day. So I think this is a beautiful idea and a beautiful quote. And so many people that are ultra successful, you'll find them having a very rigorous, regular gym regimen in the morning, especially. I think with the last one here, and this is uh, BJ Novak, actually, who I just mentioned. So BJ Novak, if you don't know who he is, he is an award-winning, or sorry, Emmy award-winning comedy, sorry, uh, he's best known for his work on NBC's Emmy award-winning comedy series, The Office, as an actor, writer, director, and executive producer. He has appeared in films such as Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards and Disney's Saving Mr. Banks. He is the author of the acclaimed short story collection, One More Thing, and the number one New York best time, best. New York Times bestseller, The Book with No Pictures. And I love his character, Ryan, or the temp in The Office. It is actually my favorite character in the whole show, which I've seen so many times. It's amazing. So here's the quote. If you find yourself saying, but I'm making so much money about a job or project, pay attention. But I'm making so much money or but I'm making good money is a warning sign that you're probably not on the right track or at least that you shouldn't stay there for long. Money can always be regenerated. Time and reputation cannot. That had a lot of resonation, that resonated with me because, of course, if you have read my blog and you've read my story, that is essentially the question that I was asking myself or the dilemma that I was facing for a long time. But listen, it's not just about money and career and professionalism. I think at the end of the day, what you have to ask yourself is, when you're doing things, whether it's for money or for prestige or for so, so, these various things that don't relate to the intrinsic value of something, that's when you need to, to look in the mirror and think about it a little bit more closely and more deeply as far as whatever you're trying to do. Is it, going, is it truly something that is intrinsically making you happy? And I think that's what, what BJ Novak is really getting at the heart of. And it's a worthwhile question. And some people may, and I know I've done, I'm, I'm not perfect. I, some people may, in a lot of cases, take that route, which will preserve their prestige or their reputation or their financial interests, even though it may not be exactly what they want to do. But I think it's a worthwhile question, especially with big decisions like choosing a career. All right. So that is it. That is my synopsis, if you will, of all these little choice quotes and and special pieces and chunks that I've extracted from the book. You know, there's actually one that resonated with me as well. I've said resonated so many times this episode. And it, w- it wasn't one that I apparently pulled out, but I remember it. So I'm going to talk about it very briefly. And I can't remember who said it, so I don't have it bookmarked. But there was a very interesting quote that mentioned how to essentially, or a great way to think about becoming exceptional at something. So it goes like this, to try and be really, really exceptional, like the best in the world or one of the best in the world at one thing is extremely difficult. Take, for example, if you just think about athletics, trying to be the very best tennis player in the world, the very best basketball player in the world, and you can have those ambitions and you can try, but God, I mean, think about the odds that you're facing to have enormous, amazing talent at that one particular thing. And of course, Being an amazing tennis player or basketball player, it's not really one thing. It's multiple facets of a sport. But the point is, is it's it's in a very narrow, it's in a very narrow 
bubble or like sphere of something that you have to, that you're trying to be really, really good at. But instead, the advice goes like this. If you are pretty good at something, let's say top 25%, and then you're pretty good at something else, top 25%, and maybe pretty good at a third thing in the top 25%, and then you take those three things and you merge them, now all of a sudden it is much easier in this new hybrid of activities that you've created to be one of the very, very best. Now this actually has mathematical underpinnings to why this is true. It's sort of like if you have a one in four chance of winning a contest, let's say there's an ace, two, three, four cards, and you only win by drawing an ace. If you do that one time, it's not that impressive. You have a one out of four chance of winning that first time. But if you do it again, two times in a row, you have a one in four chance the first time, and again, a one in four chance the second time, but the probability that you'll get it the first and the second time now has a much it's much more difficult. It's one out of 16. You do it a third time in a row. It's a one out of 64 chance. So you go from a 25 percentile. If you just look at that one category, that one contest to now, when you take three things in conjunction, all of a sudden, now you've jumped to just under the 2% mark across these three different spectrums. So think about it in that sense, and I think it's a really cool way to view it in that mathematical sense. So you can kind of top out top 50, you know, 20, 25% in a few different things, find a way to combine them, and then you can stand out in whatever it is you want to do. So that's it. I hope that was helpful for you guys. I hope that was interesting, and I hope it was fun. I definitely, definitely recommend you sit down and read this book, at least read through the one of the sections, whichever one you feel is most pertinent to you. And I know that Tim Ferriss even recommends not necessarily reading it through cover to cover, but choosing the bits that seem to have most relevance or most applied to what your goals are and take it from there. Thank you guys so much for joining. And again, new podcast episodes are dropping every Monday. Make sure to check us out at www.scalarlearning.com where you can see the show notes. And the show notes will include a lengthy write-up and all the good information and links to all the people that I've talked about today on air. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, all those social media channels. And please sign up for our newsletter because if you sign up for our newsletter, you will get our free video course, 24 Days to Multiplication Mastery, normally sells for $20. You will get that for free just for signing up. And then you get an awesome weekly newsletter with podcast information, new video releases, and new free content coming your way to better your education or your child's education. Again, thank you guys so much for joining, and we'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar, learning, give me that scalar.